0: You're listening to Your Superpowered Mind on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that investigates the innate power within your brain to create lasting change. Hey everyone, welcome
1: to Your Superpowered Mind. This is your host, Kristen Maxwell, and in this show, we explore the process of transformation and give you tools and strategies you can use to transform your own life. Today, we're gonna be talking about how to own your power and never binge eat again. Our guest today is Dr. Glenn Livingston, and I think this is gonna be fascinating. He is the author of Never Binge Again, which is a book that has thousands and thousands of five-star ratings on Amazon. His, in the past, before he wrote this book, he was a psychologist and the longtime CEO of a multimillion-dollar consulting room, uh, firm which serviced several Fortune 500 clients in the food industry. He spent decades researching the nature of binging and overeating with work with his own patients and a self-funded research program with more than 40,000 participants. Um, his book, as which we'll be go into... Uh, outlays an unusual psychological method to stick to the diet of your choice. So I am intrigued to hear more. Welcome, Dr. Glenn Livingston.
2: (laughs) Please call me Glenn. It's very nice to be here. Thank you.
1: Okay. Thank you. Thanks. So my first question is always, what superpower did you uncover as the result of mastering your mind?
2: You know, I think it's a superpower that we all have, but it's obfuscated by some cultural myths. And, um, and it's minimized by the advertising industry and a lot of what goes on in the big food industry. So that superpower was deciding what to ch- how to choose what I could put in my mouth or not. Well, when I, when I finally realized that I was in control of my arms and my legs and my hands and my mouth and my tongue and my throat, and that it was only me that could get out the car keys and walk to the car and open the door and start the car and drive to the store and <laughs> take out the package and walk up to the counter and, uh, and hand the lady the money and count the change and put the put the junk in my bags and walk into the car and open the car again and start the car and go in the corner of the parking lot and open the bags and put it in my mouth, chew and swallow. When I finally realized that that was actually me and that I had all those opportunities, every little step along the way was someplace that I could intervene and change. I suddenly realized that I could decide on the kind of person that I really wanted to be around any food, regardless of how powerful the uh, cravings were, which are stimulated by you know the food industry and lizard brain. Um, that I that I really had the ability to decide in the kind of person that I wanted to be, and that we all did. We all did all along. It's just because of what's going on in our society, it required more focus and clarity and a little bit of upfront thinking work to to make it happen. So, did, did I answer your question, or what, what was the f-
1: that's the yeah. super? Well, it sounds like you have discovered the superpower of well, you said it, deciding on who you wanted to be. And I, I think a lot of people don't necessarily they uh, understand that they have that power. Or if they think they can pick it, they don't know how to do it.
2: it it's the superpower of self-control as a matter of character, but not, not character in the religious sense or in the sense that someone else defines for you. Character in the sense of how you habitually respond to a tempting situation, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what. Um, and, and even if it's not something you can do right away, character in the sense of something that you can cultivate and the kind of person that you can become. So, so for example, I decided at some point that I'd had enough of binging on chocolate. And at first, I tried six ways to Sunday to become the kind of person who only had chocolate on the weekends and only had chocolate, um, you know, after a thousand calorie workout or only had chocolate you know, when he was at a major league baseball game or something like that. And, and that, that helped a little bit, but eventually I realized it never was a lot easier than sometimes for me personally. And if I just became the kind of person who didn't need chocolate, then all of my chocolate decisions were made for me. And I didn't have to continually wear down my willpower every time I was at a Starbucks looking at a chocolate bar at the counter, thinking, should I or shouldn't I? Because, you know, all the research on willpower says, it's a fatigable muscle that's worn down by decision-making. There are only so many good decisions you can make over the course of the day. And so if you have thought through these very well-defined rules that distinguish healthy eating from unhealthy eating and just thought through when you do what, then suddenly you have a lot more willpower to spare because you're not making decisions all day long. And um, and then that superpower to become the kind of person that I really wanted to become it left me with a presence of mind where I suddenly felt like I could connect to people even better than I ever had. And I spent a lifetime learning how to connect to people as a psychologist. And it was the most important thing in my life to me was to be able to connect to people and, you know, and help them with their issues. But the food was in the way. And once I stopped binging, my binges usually started with chocolate. That's not the only thing that I would eat. But they usually started with chocolate. Once I stopped, once I was able to stop, I was suddenly so much more present, and I felt like everyone was smiling at me. And the truth is that those smiles were there all along. I just I was looking down, or I was so busy recovering from the bloat and the you know pain of overeating that I wasn't noticing them. But um, like, I, I, it's 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 the power to be who you want to be, and the power to be present for your life. That's. That's the biggest superpower that I discovered.
1: That's great. And that is a superpower that I think all of us, um, whether we know it or not, that we would love to have is, and you, you said a lot in there because I know that um, there are plenty of people out there and there have been me. It's something I've grappled with too in the past who you said, you just became the kind of person who didn't eat chocolate and so when some people hear that, that's like, are you kidding me? Just, I just did that. Like, that is crazy.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. it, it wasn't quite that simple. I, yeah, right. I, I, I spent 30 years trying to figure it out. I come from a family of psychologists and I discovered when I was about 17, that if I exercised really hard every day for three hours, I could eat whatever I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And then when I got older, I I couldn't do that anymore. I didn't have three hours a day to work out. I had maybe three minutes to work out as I was married and seeing patients and commuting two hours a day. So so I I spent 30 years going to psychologists and psychiatrists and Overeaters Anonymous, and I even conducted a 40,000-person study over the course of five years. And it was a very soulful journey. I, I would characterize the whole thing by saying that I was going on the theory that I had a hole in my heart. And then if I could figure out how to fill that hole, then I would stop overeating as if it wasn't what I was eating, it was what was eating me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But eventually, when I stepped back and I realized that it all kind of came to a head when I talked to my mom about the results of the study, and one of the results of that study was that people who struggled to control chocolate like I did, they tended to be lonely or broken hearted. And I asked my mom. I said, Mom, you know, I'm not in a great marriage, and I'm kind of lonely and brokenhearted, but what is it in my history that would have set up this pattern? Because she's a therapist, and she raised me. Mm -hmm. And she got this horrible look on her face, and she said, I'm so sorry. And I said, what is it? And she says, well, Glenn, you know, when you were about one, my father, your grandfather, had just gone to prison. And I adored this man. He was my whole life. He was the only thing I held on to, and he was guilty. He was really doing these things and my whole world came apart and I was, I was horribly depressed. At the same time, your father, my husband was a captain in the army and they were talking about sending him to Vietnam in 1965. And I thought I was going to be a single mother, maybe a widow, and I was going to have another kid on the way. And my father was in jail and I, I was just so depressed. So I, and scared and I, I sat and I stared at the wall most of the time. And when you would come running up to me and we wanted a hug or some love or you wanted to play or you wanted some food, I, I just didn't have the wherewithal to take care of you. And so I pointed you to a refrigerator that I kept on the floor where there was a big bottle of Bosco chocolate syrup all the time. And I said, go get your Bosco. And you would go running over and you'd suck on the bottle and go into a chocolate sugar coma. And so, Kristen, if, if this were the movies, then mm-hmm. at this point, Mama and I would have a big hug and a big cry and I'd never have trouble with chocolate again. But what actually happened was my chocolate problem got worse because there, there was this voice in my head, which was a voice of justification, and it said something like this. You know what, Glenn? You're right. Your mama didn't love you enough. And until you can fill that big chocolate-sized hole in your heart, you're going to have to go right and binging on chocolate. Let's go get some more right now. Yippee. And that was the first clue to me that – Maybe I didn't have to solve all my psychological problems before I could stop overeating. Maybe the problem was this voice itself. Maybe it was like, suppose there was a big fire in a fireplace inside the house, and I've been spending all these years trying to put out the fire, trying to understand the fire. But what, it was, what if it was okay that there was a fire, and the whole problem was that there was this illogical voice that was poking holes in the fireplace and letting it get out to burn the house down? And but what I really needed to do was challenge the logic of that voice so I could hear it more clearly, so I could know when it was attacking, and so I could either ignore it or disempower it right away.
1: Wow. You know what? I, I want to hear so much more about how you get started with that, but I want—I just stopped you right there because we have to go to a break before we can really dig into how it is that you do own your power and never binge would again. Uh-huh. And... So can you tell people where they can f- learn about you? Because you have tons of great, great material online to help people with this. Um, where can they find you?
2: You go to neverbingeagain.com and click the big red free bonus button. And you can sign up to get a free copy of Never Binge Again in Kindle, PDF format, along with a uh, set of food plan starter templates, regardless of what, Dietary philosophy you're on. There is a set of rules that you can customize for yourself, and a set of recorded coaching sessions. Because the technique I'm going to tell you about to accomplish this is really, really weird, and it sounds really harsh when mm-hmm. Kristen and I talk about it in theory. You're going to say, "What is wrong with this woman? Why does she have this doctor on her <laughs> call?" But if you hear me actually coach people through it, you say, "Oh, now I get it. This is this is a life-giving, uh, esteem-enhancing." hope enhancing process and you know i want to i want to learn more about it for myself so never binge click the big red button
1: great thank you definitely if this is you're going to hear more and you're going to want to look this up so let's take a quick break and hold on
0: your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the superpower net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more.
1: Welcome back, everyone. This is your superpowered mind. And we're talking to Glenn Livingston on uh, how to own your power and never binge eat again. And So I stopped you before because I really, I know that what everybody here who was listening is wanting to know is, okay, I every day say I'm not going to eat chocolate or I'm not going to do this. And then by the end of the day, or maybe three days later, at some point I break down and I have it. So how do I change that?
2: Well, um, first of all, you got to be really clear on what it is that you want to do with chocolate. Do you never want to have it again? Do you want to try to have two squares a day? Do you want to have it on the weekends? What What is it that you want to do? And draw a very clear line in the sand. And it should be something that, if I followed you around all day, and Kristen followed you around all day, that it would be really clear and we would agree whether you did it or not. So no, no ambiguity whatsoever. Really clear line in the sand. And then what you want to do is make a solemn oath, to not, not to never have another craving again, because you will have cravings, but to separate your constructive versus your destructive thoughts about food. See, the mind changing, the, the chronic ambivalence, the, um, the I don't care, F it, we'll start again tomorrow, that, that all comes from an overstimulation of your reptilian brain. And the food companies today are engineering food substances that are, um, they're not really food, they're food-like substances, and they're concentrations of sugar and fat and salt and oil and excitotoxins and starch and sodium and things that didn't exist in this concentration on the savannah in the tropics while we were evolving. And what they do is they signal your lizard brain which is the part of your brain that doesn't know love. It's the part of your brain that only knows survival. Eat, mate, or kill. That's mm-hmm. what the lizard brain thinks when it sees the chocolate bar on the counter. <laughs> eat it. right? It's, it's forgotten about your dietary goals and your health and fitness goals. And it's forgotten about the kind of person you want to be. It's forgotten about who you want to be in relation to the people that you love. It's just eat, mate, or kill. And... You need to understand that when that's activated, that it, it's just a bodily organ generating a biological urge, just like your um, bladder generates an urge to pee or your ovaries or your testicles generate an urge to kiss an attractive person. And that, that organ is not in control, you're in control. You can decide when and how and where and in what way that urge is going to be expressed. There are some urges that you can't ignore entirely, like you can't ignore your bladder entirely because your bladder will tell you otherwise eventually. Similarly, you have to eat, you have to keep your blood sugar up, or eventually all of these concentrated forms of blood sugar will look more and more appealing, and your reptilian brain will say, This is a matter of survival, I don't care about your goals and plans. So a lot of the things that we find with people who have that reversal of intent who continually change their mind, when you go back and you analyze the day, they haven't really had enough to eat, they haven't had enough, enough healthy things to eat, they let their blood sugar go too low, and as a result, their body was forcing them to be less discriminating. So there's that. Make sure that you're well-nourished, reliably nourished, that you're not trying to fast for half the day and then find yourself you know, irresistibly tempted at a Starbucks. Um, so now, if you're if you're willing to separate from that organ and you recognize that it's not really a game of loving your inner wounded child, there are associations with food and in your inner wounded child, and you can learn a lot about yourself. But it's not really associated with stopping because we're not eating just for comfort; we're eating to get high with food,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and 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 so if you give that if you give that inner Um, your lizard brain, if you give it a name so that you know it's very separate from you. I I call mine my pig. I call mine my inner pig, and the things that it squeals for are are pig slop. And when my pig pig says, hey, Glenn, you worked out hard enough to have a bar of chocolate, I will say, I don't want that. My pig does. My pig is squealing for its slop, but I don't let farm animals tell me what to do, and I never eat pig slop. And as crazy as that sounds, it, it gives me those extra microseconds at the moment of impulse to remember who I am. I want to be what I want to do with chocolate and make the right decision if I want to. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of, that's, that's really how it works. And it's, it's more of a game of ruthless domination. Um, it's, it's, you think of yourself like an alpha wolf, the leader of the pack and the, the pig, your reptilian brain is like a challenger for leadership. And when, when a challenger in a wolf pack tries to take control the alpha wolf doesn't say, oh, it looks like someone needs a hug. You know, it doesn't go over and kiss them. It, it snarls at them as if to say, look, get back in line or I'll kill you. This is not a game. You get back in line. And that's, that's the aggressive attitude that you need to have. At least that's the one that's worked for me and thousands of other people. That's the aggressive attitude that you need to have to take control of the, um, take control of the lizard brain. There, there are one or two more things you can do that are helpful. What you need to understand is that the addiction to overeating or binging is not just an addiction to overeating or binging. It's an addiction to the feast and famine cycle. So virtually everybody that I talk to who has trouble with overeating inevitably tells me that they're a very good dieter and they go through periods where they can eat well for months or weeks and that they've been down near their goal weight on a multitude of times and they just go all the way back up. And they don't realize that they are signaling their body that we live in periodic times of starvation. Maybe not completely starvation because maybe, you know, they're having a very low-calorie diet. But if you're losing more than a pound or two a week, then you're you're probably undernourishing yourself during those periods. And so when the body perceives that calories and nutrition might be available, there seems to be a mechanism. I think it's an evolutionary mechanism that takes over and says, hoard them take in as much as you possibly can. And so if you don't want that mechanism to kick in, then you have to let go of the famine part of the cycle also. You have to keep yourself regularly and reliably well-nourished. The last part is to understand that because this seems to be an autonomic response, it's like an activation of the sympathetic nervous system, which says we got to get food now. This is the most urgent thing. We need calories right now that the parasympathetic nervous system has the ability to override that. And the parasympathetic nervous system Mr. Lips and Mr. Tongue when you say that word, the parasympathetic nervous system is the part of us that calms us down and cools us down and takes us out of that emergency status. So we're not in fight or flight response anymore. There's no emergency. Now we can take our time and make decisions. And the way you do that, is to take a deep, deep breath and tense everything up as hard as you possibly can. And then whew, let it all out and relax. And do that three or four times. By the fourth time you've done that, you shouldn't be in fight or flight response anymore. And you should have the opportunity to make a better decision. By that point, you should realize, I don't want that my pig does. I don't want that my reptilian brain is squealing. Let remember me remember what I want to do. And then you might need to go and get yourself some real nutrition. I know this is crazy, but I discovered that the key to stopping chocolate for me was banana kale smoothies. Every time I started to crave chocolate, I said, okay, well, this is not going to satisfy the craving, but it's going to take the edge off of it so it's tolerable. And I'd have a big banana kale smoothie. And six weeks later, I found that I was craving banana kale smoothies instead of chocolate. So you don't have you don't have to believe me. Every bone in your body can say I'm full of it. But just try it. There's usually some underlying nutritional authentic need. It's like it's like when a smoker stops smoking, it's really helpful if they take deep breaths of cool fresh air every time they have a craving because they're undoing the biological error that confused smoke with oxygen. And that's what we're doing here. We're undoing that biological error that's confusing all of the industrial products with the foods that we really need in our life, which are usually some form of fruits and vegetables.
1: Right. Wow. It it sounds, I mean, it makes um, sense when you, when you lay it out and I'm sure for some people it's that still seems a little bit impossible, but what I heard you say that really seems key is Getting to the point where you set, and this is what I work with with my clients, is saying you have to have such a bright line on what the rule is, like you said, that there is absolutely no ambiguity whatsoever. So for me, the line I have set is I don't get, I have the same, I don't have sugar and I don't get wine during the week. It's a weekend thing. Uh And that is my rule. And that was my rule for years. And the really thing that's very funny right now is I have just this week gone, Hmm, it's the holidays and I've backed off, but it took me a few years. So I'm realizing I need to go back and reset that line again, because otherwise you've got your brain constantly trying to talk you out of it. I guess you're pig, right?
2: Yes. And I'm going to say two things about what you said. First of all, you don't have to believe me. You just have to try it. Mm -hmm. You don't really have a lot to lose here. And and what if I'm right? So you could just take a leap of faith. Secondly, it's really important to understand that feelings aren't facts Mm -hmm. and that the industry is taking advantage of the way that we're set up to feel. We really can be manipulated in such a way as to believe that our nutritional needs are satisfied from a bag or a box or a container. And most of our society says that they don't really like fruit and vegetables anymore. So something's going on. If, if you look at the animal studies on what happens when you short-circuit the pleasure mechanism in the in the animal brain, the mam- mammalian brain, mm-hmm. you put an electrode in the pleasure center and you wire it to a lever, those animals will press that lever thousands of times a day to the exclusion of their survival needs. They could be starving to death and they'll ignore food just to press that lever thousands of times a day. A nursing mother rat will ignore her pups just to press the lever. They'll crawl over painful electrical grids. So this is a survival mechanism. I don't I don't think anybody's put electrodes in our brains, but I think that there is an argument to be made that these are chemical electrodes and when you walk out of a McDonald's and there's a, there's a Burger King across the street, you know, are we that far from saying that there's a pleasure button in every corner? I I think that we didn't have these things in the Savannah or in the tropics when we were evolving, and the, the natural course of events, the foods that are available today or the food like substances that are available today, the, a number, the sheer number of advertising messages that are designed to get you to forget your survival needs and go after what profits the company instead. You know, there are five to 7,000 messages about food that are beamed at us through the airwaves and the internet every year, and maybe a half dozen of them are about eating more whole fruits and vegetables. Um, you know, when, when you're going up against that kind of force, when the, when the addiction treatment industry says that you can't quit even if you want to, the best you can do is abstain one day at a time, you're powerless, you might even have a disease, when you have all that messaging and you're, you're trained to believe that you can't do anything about it, then you have to say to yourself, maybe I can't trust my feelings and maybe waiting until it feels right, maybe waiting until it feels like I can do it is the wrong idea. Maybe you just have to do it and let the feelings come later. So that's what I have to say about
1: that. Right. So, just to, you just you decide. I hate it when I just say just decide, but it is you just decide. And you know, one of the things that I think is interesting and what I see happening with the people I work with is you make a decision, you follow through on that decision, and then at some point, you get the identity of being that kind of person. So, I am the kind of person who chooses to limit my sugar to the weekends. Like that's just who I am. And that it's really interesting. So, So I, you know, I saw one of the reviews on your website, which I love because it makes it so clear is you can decide never to binge again, just the way you could decide, just the way that you know that you would never rob a bank or push somebody into traffic. To have that sort of certainty about who you are and what you're going to do.
2: You know, one of the examples I give people is that if you walked into a diner and there was a $10 bill on the table and there are no video cameras and there's nobody up front and nobody would see you take it, the waitress says, I'll be right back. I have to get the menu. And she obviously hasn't seen it. Almost everybody says they wouldn't take it under any circumstances. And I said, why? And they'll say, because I'm not a thief, and that woman worked hard for her money, and I don't want to take her money. And so I'll say, so there is something that would enhance your situation, which would be pleasurable, that you would never do. You have an unwritten rule inside that says, I never steal. Even if you don't get caught, you never steal. Why, can't, As a matter of character, why, why can't you do that with food? And that, that wakes some people up and makes them realize that they can. And what, what you need to understand is that part of you that's fighting back right now, because it inevitably as people are listening to this they're saying that's ridiculous that's like that bob newhart sketch where he says just stop that that part of you is your pig squealing in and of itself it's starting to recognize that you're seeing yourself as superior and it doesn't want you to it wants you to keep feeling like it must be something different it's got to be more complex than that it's got to be you know it's got to be something that happened to you in your childhood it's got to be some something you have to fix in your life but what if it really was that simple what if you really could do this and you didn't have to figure all that stuff out I've got compassion for all the things that happen to people in their lives and I think people that really struggle with overeating tend to be people who have have been overly shamed I think a lot of them have been sexually abused I think a lot of them have um, you know have, have had very difficult childhoods and By all means, if you need a hug, I'll give you a hug. If you need psychotherapy, I'll give you psychotherapy. But I don't want to confuse you by making you think that you have to do all that first before you can stop. Because if you stop, the hug is going to feel better. The psychotherapy is going to go a lot quicker and be a lot more effective. So, you know, I happen to have discovered that you can expose the squeals and disempower them and ignore them, even if you haven't solved all your trauma, even if you're miserable, I mean, none of this is guaranteed to make you happy, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, could stop, I could help you stop binge eating and you could still be miserable, but at least, you know, you won't be miserable and a binge eater. I tell people if they've got six problems and then they binge eat, then they have seven problems. So I, I could take away the seventh problem. And, and that does give you a lot more energy to solve the other problems. And people do tend to naturally get happier, but it's not guaranteed.
1: Right. Well, there, there is something that the food does to your body, I think, and depending on the quality of the food you're eating, that just biologically then makes you depressed. And and then there's the shame that goes around it. So, it it, it clouds the other issues that you're really wanting to be looking at, <laughs> perhaps.
2: You need to turn that shame into anger. What's going on today in industry is really inexcusable. I, I've... Talked to executives and major food manufacturers. One of them made a, a very popular food bar, and they told me that the way they got it so popular and made so much money with it was to take the vitamins out of it because the vitamins were interfering with the taste and costing a lot of money to produce, and to focus on the packaging instead to make it look healthy. And this guy told me this with a lot of pride, like he figured out this brilliant yeah. marketing insight. But I said, "So, so you're faking people out." <laughs> You're faking him out. I don't mean to single out this guy. This goes on all over the place. So,
1: ah, um, that's so, crazy.
2: So, you don't have to feel ashamed. You do have to energize yourself and define how you want to be. And you have to believe that this is possible. And, like I said, if you don't believe it's possible, then listen to a bunch of the people that I recorded and see how we changed their mind and how well they're doing. So
1: That's great. Good. And that leads in, can you tell people again where they can find your materials and your interviews and all of that? Because, you know, if this is something that you struggle with, I think I love your your way of dealing with it.
2: NeverBingeAgain.com. Everything's at NeverBingeAgain.com. Click the big red button and sign up for the free bonuses.
1: Good. Thank you so much, Glenn. I have really loved talking to you Um, I think you've got a lot of people really thinking and questioning and um, maybe thinking, okay, I can do that. I can try that. So thank you for being here. And all of you listeners, thank you also for being here, for wanting to um, take charge of your mind and how you live and go out and remember that you do hold the power to change and transform your world.